are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, we're living in a changing age, religiously, politically, financially, in every, every way. Every way that you can think of and everything you can talk about is changing. Everything. Styles and ways and everything. Now, we hear today the gospel of the positive side. In other words, we're not supposed to say, thou shalt not. And even some are teaching that you're not supposed to tell a child that they can't do this or can't do that. And young people are being taught never to suppress desires, but yield to all desires, never suppress, never tell a child that they cannot, and don't ever go in the pulpit and tell people, thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. But you know, I was studying for the message today, and I was praying and just saying, Lord, just show me and lead me, and God showed me some things that I want to show you. Now, in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 14, the man of wisdom, Solomon, of course, God dictated to his heart these Proverbs. But the man of wisdom says in Proverbs 4.14, Enter not into the path of the wicked. Enter not into the path of the wicked. Now, there are many other passages in the Word of God that we could read along the same line, along the same path. But I'm going to give you a few verses. As time permits, I may not get through. But I want you to notice some nots, N-O-T-S, in other words, thou shalt not. Now, we're told today that you should never tell people that they can't do this and they can't do that. You're supposed to preach a tender, loving gospel and persuade them through love and tenderness. You should never say thou shalt not. Now, in 2 Corinthians 6.14, the Bible distinctly says... Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, I believe that has many angles. I mean by that, I don't believe a child of God should marry an unsaved person. I don't. I don't believe a born-again girl should marry a sin sinner boy. I don't believe a born-again boy should marry a sinner girl. I do not. I believe the Bible is distinctly against it, and I believe when any young Christian marries an unbeliever, I believe you're marrying yourself into trouble. Oh, but you say, Brother Green, I know a case where a dear girl married a drunkard and she converted him. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you know it, God bless your dear heart, it's one out of a hundred thousand. You might dig up one case where some precious girl married a sinner and got him in church and he was gloriously saved. That may be true. You may dig up an isolated case, but I'm telling you, when you bring your isolated cases, I'll produce letter after letter after letter, testimony after testimony from people who married unbelievers and they've been living in hell ever since they did. Now, the Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I believe, I believe it means more than that. I believe that we in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe we who are fundamental Bible-believing gospel Christians, and I mean by that, we believe in the shed blood, we believe in the virgin birth, we believe in the blood atonement, we believe in salvation by grace through faith, we believe in consecration, dedication, surrender. I don't believe God wants us linked up and hooked up and united with a bunch of modernist and blood-denying 
men and women, preachers and religious leaders. I do not. I believe the Son of God, when he dictated those words to the Apostle Paul, be not unequally yoked together unbelievers. I believe he was talking not only to young couples who are going to marry, but I believe he's talking to born-again people who are looking for a church home. You should join a church. You should unite with a church. You should get in a church that lifts up the blood-stained banner of the Son of God and does not compromise the gospel nor have any part in modernism or any other ism, schism, or spasm, if you please. And God knows this country's full of them. I thank God for the dear ministers. I thank God for the dear churches. I thank God for the dear people who have a standard of Christianity that is based upon the New Testament and they don't put up with any foolishness one way or another. Amen. You know, if the devil can't drive you uh, down one blind alley, he'll drive you down another one. And if he can't drive you into one route, he'll drive you another. I tell you, the devil doesn't want you to stop at a happy medium Bible Christianity based upon the fundamentals of the faith and the Word of God. Be not. All right, now there's the be not of being unequally yoked. Now the second one I want you to notice is in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. And this is the touch not. And beloved, I want to say the Bible says, touch not the unclean. I wish some of the folks, God bless you, who preach this lovey-dovey, sweet chocolate-covered, sugar-coated gospel that you're supposed to love this and love that and love the other and you're not supposed to preach against this and you're not supposed to hurt people's listen the bible says touch not the unclean anything that's unclean is not clean and anything that's not clean is unclean anything that's not godly is ungodly and anything that's ungodly is not godly so my friend in spite of the fact that people are trying to rub out the mark that separates holiness from unholiness and righteousness from unrighteousness and godliness from ungodliness in spite of the fact that mankind and religion is trying to rub out the mark, I say it's still there in the Word of God. God thunders out, touch not the unclean. Keep your hands off. Lay off. Beware. Touch not. That's negative. That's negative preaching. We are to love the Lord with all our hearts, certainly, but we are to touch not the unclean. And anything that's ungodly and unrighteous, and anything that's of the world of the devil, we are commanded by the Lord God Almighty to keep our hands off of it, keep our eyes off of it, and touch it not. So, be not unequally yoked together. Touch not the unclean. Number three, in 1 John 2.15... And I know some people may get tired of hearing me refer to this verse. But brother, it's in the little book that says these things write I unto you that your joy may be full. Now, I may, I may use this verse of Scripture again and again and again on the radio. And some of you may say I get tired of hearing Green quote that verse. But brother, it's still in the book. And this is the love knot. First of all... Be not unequally yoked. Number two, touch not the unclean. Number three, love not the world. I tell you, that's negative. Negative. We talk about the fatherhood of God. Yes, God's the father of the human race. But God's not the father of all mankind. I mean, spiritually speaking. 
It's true that God created Adam and God made the first man and God removed a rib from his side and made the first woman. But in the realm of spiritual thinking and spiritual living, we are not brothers. The brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God's not taught in the Bible. All born-again people are brothers and sisters in the Lord. All saved people are, bo- are, are brothers and sisters in the Lord. But if you're not saved, if you're not washed in the blood, if you're not redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you're not a brother to any person that is. There are two classes. Jesus said in John eight forty four to the Pharisees, He said, Ye are of your father the devil. And then he referred to the born again as the little children of God. So, we are to love not the world. Read it. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So the Bible distinctly and clearly and positively says, Love not. We are to love. We are to love the Lord God Almighty with all of our heart, strength, mind, soul, and body. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves, but we are to love not the world. And that's negative. All this positive, positive preaching. I believe in the positive gospel. I believe in the positive salvation. I believe in presenting the positive side. But if we present the positive and do not present the negative, then we are a lopsided preacher. We are one-sided. We are a half-baked cake. And, brother, we are preaching half-truth. The Bible says love, and the Bible says love not. And I must, I dare not preach it. I dare not fail to preach it. I dare not preach love and then not preach love not. All right? Be not... Touch not, love not. And then thank God there's another one. In Colossians 3 and verse 2, Paul says, Set not your affections on things on earth, but on things above. In other words, we are to set not our affections on this earth. Beloved, that's the trouble now. Listen, I believe God wants His people to be comfortable I believe God wants His people to enjoy life. I believe God wants to bless His children with the things of life. Why, even uh, when the dear children of Israel were in the desert, and for 40 solid years they wandered, God fed them the best food, I suppose, continuously, the best diet that any crowd of people on the top side of God's earth have ever enjoyed. Quail and manna from heaven. God rained down manna from heaven and gave them quail to eat. Brother, there's no finer meat on earth than quail. And certainly there could be no bread that would equal the manna that God sent down. God wants to be good to his people. God wants to bless his people. Listen, I don't advocate that you sit around and fold your arms and and wear rags and eat bread and water. And uh, I don't advocate that, beloved. God wants to bless his children. But the reason the church is no more spiritual, and when I say the church, I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about your church. I'm not talking about your little building and your little group. I'm talking about the whole Christian setup. 
The reason why today the church members and people who profess to be followers of the Son of God are no more spiritual and no more concerned about the lost and about people who are going to hell, it's because the church and people are so wrapped up in this world. Listen, I, I say this tenderly. I say it lovingly. I'm not mad. I'm not fussing. But if you could get the average church as enthused about the souls of men as they are, their new building, their new plant, and their beautiful uh, decorations and furniture and so on, and I'm not criticizing. I believe the house of God ought to be inviting. I believe the house of God ought to be comfortable. I believe the house of God ought to be attractive. I believe the house of God ought to be inviting to any passerby. But when we start majoring on the steeple and the pews and the decorations and the finery and the beauty, then, brother, we lose the real mission of the church. The mission of the church is to look on the fields, look on the fields, not the beauty of your building. I'm not fussing with anybody about the building you have. I'm not. I passed by a certain church. I certainly won't call the city. I wouldn't do it for anything. This church is supposed to be a fundamental church. I mean by that, it's supposed to be a church that is true to the New Testament in every way. They have a beautiful building. It's not attractive. I don't mean by that it's a, a, a great, magnificent edifice, but it, it's a nice building. It's a spacious building. It's old, but it's spacious. It's nice. It's roomy. And the folks are using it in God's blessing. But you know, one of the members told me they have $175,000 in the building fund, and when they get another $100,000, they're going to build a beautiful edifice. Now listen, I'm not... Beloved, please don't misunderstand me. Please don't, will you? Will you listen carefully to me? In the name of common sense, in the name of the God who loved sinners so much that Jesus died for sinners... Don't you believe that instead of uh, banking up when we have a building and when we have uh, room enough? Uh, you know, I don't know many churches, God bless you, that have to bring out chairs. Thank God there's a few. Amen. Hallelujah. There are a few. Amen. There are a few. But I don't know many, many churches that have to bring out chairs. Do you? Not many. Some do. Not many, especially on Sunday night. And it looks to me like that we, dear Christians... Instead of hoarding up and banking up and laying back and just stacking away thousands and thousands and thousands of God's money, it looks to me like we'd send it to the mission field where those poor heathen are dying like flies without God. And true missionaries, true missionaries, I said true missionaries, need more money, more equipment, more help. I heard a minister make the statement the other day that uh, his church, that is his denomination, have 50 young missionaries waiting to go to the mission field, and they cannot go because of the lack of funds. Think of that. 50 young people through school and ready to go, and they can't send them because they don't have the money. Well, be not, touch not, love not, set not, and then walketh not. Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that walketh not. Yes, we are to walk. We are to commit our ways unto the Lord, and the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. 
but we are to walk not. There's the negative. I'm talking about the negative gospel. Walk not. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of God, and in his word doth he meditate day and night. So we are to walk not. Now I've got to hurry because my time's gone. And then in Matthew 7 and verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto dogs. Give not. During my ministry in a certain city, we had complaint after complaint about the loudspeakers and about the cars parking and about this and about that. And I made up my mind, I made up my mind, if that one particular person who gave so much trouble, I made up my mind, if they called the police one more time and said that that preacher is driving me crazy and that loud uh, hollering and carrying on and, and that stuff he's preaching makes me sick, I have him to cut that down. I made up my mind if that thing happened one more time that I was just going to close the meeting, take the tent down, and just move on, God bless you, and set it up somewhere out in a cotton field or out in a corn patch or a potato patch or a tobacco patch and just go out somewhere, bless the Lord, in the wide open spaces and preach, bless God, where the little rabbits and jaybirds and squirrels and uh, wouldn't, 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 they wouldn't be bothered at all. They, they wouldn't say a word, no, sir. But I, I want to say that's an exception. In other words, I thank God. That, I thank God that out of all the 20-odd years that I've been doing tent evangelism, I thank God that I've been only in a very, very, very few places where people complained about the noise. But you know the ball games and the carnivals and the shows and all that kind of stuff, that, that don't bother them. That don't bother one bit. But that's all right. The Bible says, Cast not your pearls before swine. Give not that which is holy under dogs. Give not that which is holy under dogs and cast not your pearls before swine. Don't you ever sit around and argue the precious holy word of God with an atheist or an agnostic. Don't you sit around and argue the word of God with a mocker, a scoffer, and a modernist. I wouldn't get on the platform and debate a modernist to do you good. Cast not your pearls before swine. Give not that which is holy under dogs. Now that's talking about the word of God. Now the last one the last one, Matthew 27, 41. Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Pray that ye enter not into temptation. But thank God, enter ye in at the straight gate. And praise God that you'll be in that number when the saints go marching in. Now here they are, hurriedly, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Touch not the unclean. Love not the world. Set not your affections upon things of earth but set your affections on things above. Walk not, walk not in the way of the ungodly. Give not that which is holy unto dogs. Enter not into temptation, but praise God, commit your ways unto the Lord, enter ye in at the straight gate. And praise God, you'll be in that sweet number when the saints go marching in. Heavenly Father, Take the word of God that I've tried today to give to the dear people in Radio Land. Lord God above, I do not see the audience that listens now, but you do. You know who they are. Dear Heavenly Father, you know where they are. And dear Lord God, you know the need of every heart. And I pray and I beg with all of my soul, Lord, that you'll save the unsaved, reclaim the backslidden, revive the indifferent, and get glory to thyself. And God help church members to clean up 
and separate themselves and come out from among the world and come out from among modernism and all the other isms that's in the world today. God to help men and women to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. God to help us to commit our ways unto the Lord. God help us to lean on Jesus. God help us to be shining lights in a world of darkness. Keep us in the hollow of thy hand. Save the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that snares hell today for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.